You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of a compilation of lectures by Rudolf Steiner entitled The Festivals and Their Meaning. This is Lecture 19 in the series. It's the third lecture in the Ascension and Pentecost section, and it, is in, it was given in Christiania on the 17th of May, 1923. It's entitled World Pentecost, The Message of Anthroposophy. When we look back over the history of human evolution, we can observe events which to a greater or lesser extent have influenced the whole of mankind. The greatest of all these events is that known as the mystery of Golgotha, whereby Christianity became an integral part of the evolution of humanity. In the age when the mystery of Golgotha took place, people's conception of it was quite different from that of later times. In our present age, a new understanding, a new conception must arise. It is the task of anthroposophy to promote an understanding of the mystery of Golgotha that is in keeping with the spirit of our epoch. We must cast our minds back to earlier ages when human consciousness was altogether different from that of today. Three or four thousand years ago, human beings were instinctively aware that before coming down into a physical body on the earth, they had lived in the spiritual world. Every individual in those times knew that within him was a being of soul and spirit, sent down by the divine powers into earth existence. Human consciousness of death, too, was different. People in those days could remember their pre-earthly soul-spiritual existence and knew that the part of them that had lived before this earthly life would also live on beyond death. In those days there were schools of learning which were at the same time religious institutions, the mysteries, as they are called, where people were instructed in a knowledge about life before birth. By means of it they came to realize that before their earthly existence they had lived among stars and among spiritual beings, just as on earth they are now living among plants and animals, mountains and rivers. They knew that they had descended to existence on earth from the world of the stars. They knew, too, that the stars are not merely physical, but that in every star dwell beings with whom they had been connected before descending to the earth. They knew also that on laying aside the physical body at death, they would return to the world of the stars, that is to say, to the spiritual world. They regarded the sun as the star of supreme importance, the sun with its beings, of whom the most exalted was the one known as the sublime sun-spirit. The mysteries taught people that before they descend to earth, the sublime sun-being gives them the power which enables them to return in the right way after death into the spiritual worlds, into the realm of the stars. The teachers in the mysteries said to their pupils, and these pupils in turn to the rest of humanity, quote, The spiritual power of the sun is the spiritual light 
which bears you on beyond death, and which accompanied you when you descended through birth into earthly existence. Close quote. Many were the prayers, many were the lofty teachings given by the teachers in the mysteries in order to glorify and characterize the sublime Sun Spirit. These teachers and the mysteries said to their pupils, and they in turn to all humanity, that when the human being has passed through the gate of death, he must enter first into the sphere of the lesser stars and their beings, but must then rise above the sun. This he cannot do if the power of the sun being is not bestowed upon him. The hearts of those who understood this were aglow with ardor when they offered their prayers to the Spirit of the Sun, who gives them immortality. The hymns and devotional exercises directed toward the Sun had a particularly strong influence upon man's feeling and upon his whole life of soul. He felt himself united with the God of the universe when he participated in Sun worship. Among the peoples where these customs prevailed, special rites and ceremonies were enacted in connection with this veneration of the sun. The ritual consisted, as a rule, in an image of the god being laid in the grave and after some days taken out again as a sign and token that there is a god in the universe, the sun god, who ever and again awakens the human being to life when he succumbs to death. In enacting this ritual, the officiating priest said to his pupils, and they then passed it on to the rest of humanity, quote, This is the sign and token that before you came down to the earth you were in a spirit realm that is the abode of the sun god. Look up to the sun which radiates light. Whatever you see is only the outward revelation of the sun being. Behind its radiance is the eternal sun god who ensures immortality for you. Those who received this teaching, therefore, knew that they had come down from spiritual worlds into the earthly world, but that they had forgotten the realm where the sun god dwells. But the priest told them, quote, Through your birth you have departed from the realm of the sun god, but when you pass through death, you shall find that realm again through the power that the Sun God has laid in your hearts. Quote. It was known to the initiated priests of these mysteries that the sublime Sun Spirit of whom they spoke to the worshippers is the same being as he who would later be called the Christ. But before the mystery of Golgotha, the priests had to say, quote, If you desire to know something of the Christ, you will seek in vain on the earth. You must raise yourselves up to find the secrets of the sun. For only outside and beyond the earth will you fathom the mysteries of Christ. Close quote. It was relatively easy for people at that time to accept such teaching because they had an instinctive remembrance of the realm of the Christ from which they had descended to the earth. But human nature is involved in a process of evolution, and this instinctive memory of pre-earthly, spiritual life was gradually lost. Eight hundred years before the mystery of Golgotha, there were only 
a very few in whom any instinctive memory of pre-earthly life still survived. Let us picture for a moment the passing of a human being through death. He passes out into the starry universe, gradually reaching spheres from which he beholds the stars and also the sun from the other side. From the earth we see the sun in the way to which we are accustomed here, when after death we pass into the cosmic expanse and see the sun from the other side, we see it not as a physical orb, but as a realm of spiritual beings. Long before the mystery of Golgotha took place, human beings could behold the Christ in the sun, which they perceived from the other side, after death and before birth. The teachers in the mysteries were able to recall this vision of the Christ to their pupils could awaken in them the realization, quote, Before I came to the earth, I beheld the sun, S-U-N, from the other side, close quote. This was so in times long preceding the mystery of Golgotha. Then came the age, beginning about 800 years before the mystery of Golgotha, when it became ever harder for people to awaken the memory in themselves, that before they came down to the earth, they beheld the Christ from the other side of the sun. No longer could the mysteries have said to people, quote, Look up to the sun and behold the revelation of Christ, close quote, for these words would not have been understood. It was as if people on the earth had been quite forsaken by the Christ power, were no longer able to kindle to life within them any memory of the spiritual worlds. Then, for the first time, what may be called the fear of death overshadowed humanity. When people of earlier times saw the physical body die, they knew that souls are of the kingdom of Christ and do not die. But now they were greatly troubled about the destiny of the immortal, eternal being within them. It was as though the link between themselves and the Christ had been severed. This was because they were no longer able to look up into the spiritual worlds, and in the earthly realm the Christ was nowhere to be found. Then at the time when human beings could no longer find the Christ on the far side of the sun in the spiritual realm, out of infinite grace, out of infinite mercy, Christ came down to the earth, so that mankind might find him there. What happened then in the evolution of the universe has no parallel with anything within the range of human knowledge. For in the spiritual world, the beings above man, the angeloi, archangeloi, archai, up to the very highest divine beings, only pass through transformation, metamorphosis. They are not born, neither do they die. In the mysteries of those times it was said, quote, Man alone knows birth and death. The gods know metamorphosis only. They do not know birth and death. And so, since human beings could no longer reach him, Christ came to them on earth. To do this, it was necessary that he, as a God, should undergo what no God had ever previously undergone birth and death. Christ became the soul of a man, Jesus of Nazareth, and passed through birth and death. For the first time, a God trod the path which leads through human death. The essential truth of the mystery of Golgotha is that it is not a mere human affair. It is an affair of the gods. It was a resolve 
of the divine world, that the sublime Son being himself should unite his destiny so completely with mankind as to pass through birth and death. Since then human beings have been able to look upon what happened on Golgotha, and so to find the Christ on the earth, to find him who would otherwise have been lost to them, because the heavens were no longer within reach of their consciousness. Those who first shared in the secrets of Golgotha, the apostles and disciples of Christ, perceived through the last vestiges of instinctive consciousness what had come to pass. They knew that the being who was formerly to be found only by those able to look up in spirit to the sun could now be found by rightly understanding the birth, life, and suffering of Christ Jesus. There were, though, at the time of the mystery of Golgotha, only a few who knew that the Christ in Jesus of Nazareth was the sublime sun-being who had come down to the earth. Until the fourth century after the mystery of Golgotha, there were always some who knew that Christ, the sun-being, and the Christ who had lived in Jesus of Nazareth were one and the same. It is deeply moving to learn through spiritual science of the fervent prayers of people in the early Christian centuries, quote, Thanks be to the Christ being from whom we should have been separated had he not come down from spiritual worlds to us here on earth. Close quote. After the 4th century A.D., people could no longer comprehend that the Christ was the sublime divine sun-being who ensures human immortality. From that time until our own day, there have been only the external words of the Gospels telling of the mystery of Golgotha. Yet these words worked throughout the centuries with such power that human hearts still turned toward the mystery of Golgotha. Today, however, after acquiring great knowledge about the secrets of nature, we stand at the threshold of an age in which we would be wholly estranged from the gospel tidings if a new path to Christ were not forged. Anthroposophy desires to open such a path by leading human beings again to knowledge of the spiritual world. For the Christ event can only be understood as a spiritual fact. Those who are incapable of this do not understand the Christ event at all. With the help of anthroposophical knowledge, we can carry ourselves back in imagination to the time when Christ Jesus walked in Palestine and lived through his earthly destiny. We can look into the hearts of the disciples and apostles who realized with their intuitive knowledge that the being whose abode in former times was the Son had come down to the earth, had dwelt among them. He who had dwelt among them as Christ Jesus, he who had walked the earth, was once to be found only in the realm of the sun. Therefore these disciples said to themselves, quote, Out of the eyes of Jesus of Nazareth the light of the sun rays forth to us. Out of the words of Jesus of Nazareth streams the power of the warmth-giving sun. When Jesus of Nazareth moves among us, it is as though the sun itself is sending its light and power into the world. Quote. Those who could understand this said, quote, Moving among us in the form of a man is the sun-being, who in earlier times could be reached only when our gaze was directed upward from the earth to the spiritual world. 
close quote. And because the disciples and apostles knew this, their attitude to Christ's death was also true and right, and they could remain disciples of Christ Jesus even after he had passed through death on the earth. Through spiritual science we know that when the Christ had departed from the body of Jesus of Nazareth, he moved in a spiritual form among his disciples and continued to teach them. A power had been given to the apostles and disciples which enabled them still to receive the teaching of Christ when he appeared to them in this spirit body. This power, however, departed from them after a certain time. There came a point in the lives of the disciples of Christ Jesus when they said to themselves, We have seen him, but we see him no longer. He came down from heaven to us on earth. Where has he gone? Close quote. The point of time when the disciples believed they had again lost the presence of Christ is commemorated in the Christian festival of the Ascension. This is a remembrance of the disciples' conviction that the sublime sun-being who had walked the earth in the man of Jesus of Nazareth had vanished from their sight. At this happening there fell upon the disciples a sorrow such as cannot be compared with any other sorrow on earth. When in the ritual of sun worship in the ancient mysteries the image of the god was laid in the grave and lifted out again only after a period of days, the souls of those participating in the ceremony were filled with great sorrow at the death of the god. But this sorrow cannot be compared with the all-encompassing sorrow that filled the hearts of Christ's disciples. All real knowledge, all knowledge that can truly be called great, is born from pain, from inner travail. When, through the means for the attainment of knowledge described in anthroposophical spiritual science, one tries to tread the path into the higher worlds, the goal can be reached only by going through pain. Without having suffered, suffered intensely, and thereby having become free from the oppression of pain, no one can come to know the spiritual world. During the ten days following the ascension, the suffering of Christ's disciples was beyond all telling, because Christ had vanished from their sight. And out of this pain, out of this infinite sorrow, there sprang what we call the mystery of Pentecost, the Whitsun mystery. Having lost the sight of Christ in instinctive external clairvoyant vision, the disciples found it again in their inmost being, in their feelings in inner experience, found it through sorrow, through pain. Once again, let us look back to earlier times. Before the mystery of Golgotha, human beings had some memory of pre-earthly existence. They knew that in this existence they had received from Christ the power to attain immortality. But now, at the time of the mystery of Golgotha, people knew that their own human power was insufficient to enable them to look back into the spiritual world, into pre-earthly existence. The disciples of Christ therefore turned their thoughts to all that their memory had preserved concerning the event of Golgotha, and out of this memory and the suffering it evoked, the vision arose in their souls of what man had lost because he no longer possessed the faculty of instinctive clairvoyance. People of old had said, quote, Before we were born on earth, we were together with Christ, 
From him we have the power which leads to immortality. And now, ten days after they had lost the outer sight of Christ, the disciples said, quote, We beheld the mystery of Golgotha, and this gives us the power to feel again the reality of our immortal being. Close quote. This is expressed symbolically by the tongues of fire at Pentecost. Thus, in the light of spiritual science, the Pentecost secret reveals to us that the mystery of Golgotha has replaced the sun myth of the ancient mysteries. Through the revelation that came to him at Damascus, Paul realized with particular clarity that Christ was the Son Being. As a pupil of the ancient initiates in the mysteries, Paul's first firm conviction had been that Christ is to be found only by reaching the spiritual world through clairvoyance. Therefore he said, quote, This sect declares that the Son Being has lived within a man, has passed through death. This cannot be. For only above and beyond the earth is the sun being to be seen. As long as Paul's belief was based upon knowledge acquired by him in the mysteries, he was an opponent of Christianity. But through the revelation at Damascus, he realized that one can behold a Christ without being transported into the spiritual world, and therefore that he had in truth descended to the earth. From this moment he knew that the disciples of Christ Jesus were right. The sublime Son Being had now come down from the heavens to the earth. Had Christ not appeared on the earth, had He remained the Son God only, humanity on the earth would have fallen into decay. Increasingly people would have come to believe that material things alone exist, that the sun and the stars are only material bodies. People had forgotten altogether that they themselves had descended from pre-earthly existence, from the spirit world of the stars. Only for a time, however, can mankind hold to the conviction that everything is material. If all human beings were to believe, let us say for a century, that everything is material, they would lose the strength of the spirit within them and would become decrepit and sick. This would, in fact, have been the lot of mankind, if Christ, in His infinite mercy, had not come down from the spiritual world to the earth. You will say, quote, Yes, but there are many who do not want to know anything of Christ, who do not believe in Him. How is it that these human beings have not become decrepit, weak and sick? Close quote. The answer is that Christ appeared on the earth at the time of the mystery of Golgotha, not merely in order to teach mankind, but to make the fact of his appearance effective on the earth. He died for all humanity. The physical nature of every human being, including those who have not believed in him, has been rescued and restored through the deed of Golgotha. One may be Chinese, Japanese, or Hindu with no desire to know anything of Christ. Nevertheless, Christ died for all humanity. In the future, though, knowledge will become a much more decisive factor for mankind than hitherto. The evolution of mankind will render it increasingly necessary for all human beings to acquire some knowledge of the spirit and of spiritual life. Such a knowledge that will lead all mankind into the world of spirit is the aim of anthroposophical spiritual science. 
Moreover, this knowledge can give a new recognition of Christ. For when one rightly understands anthroposophy, one can present Christ in a way that is comprehensible to all people. Christianity, as it has hitherto been proclaimed, may have been carried to Africa or to Asia. A few maybe have converted to a belief in Christ, but the great mass of the people have rejected the teaching, for they could not understand what the missionaries were saying. What kind of religion had these people? They had religions which had originated among themselves and were understood only by the particular people to whom some particular place or personality was sacred. As long as the god of the ancient Egyptians was worshipped at Thebes, the people had to journey to Thebes in order to worship in the sanctuary of this god. When Zeus was worshipped at Olympia, the people had to journey to Olympia in order to worship him. In like manner, the Mohammedan must journey to Mecca. Even in Christendom itself, an element of this has remained. But if we truly understand Christianity... We know that the sun shines upon all mankind. It shines upon Thebes, upon Olympia, upon Mecca. Physically, the sun can be seen in the same way everywhere. So, too, the sublime sun being, the Christ, can be worshipped spiritually everywhere. Anthroposophy will reveal to mankind that the being who, before the mystery of Golgotha, could be reached only by instinctive, super-earthly faculties, can be reached since the mystery of Golgotha, through a power of knowledge acquired on the earth itself. People will once more come to understand the meaning of the words, the kingdoms of heaven have come down to the earth. They will no longer speak in vague, mystical terms of the, in quotes, thousand-year reign. They will understand that the being who was formerly to be found in the sun is now to be found on the earth. They will say, quote, Christ came down to the earth and since the mystery of Golgotha he dwells among human beings in the sphere of the earth. They will be able to feel ever and again what the disciples experienced as the Whitsun mystery. Quote, Christ himself has come down to the earth. A power that guarantees immortality is dawning in our hearts. Close quote. But one must also then take the words of Christ in their true earnestness and must understand the deep truth of such words as, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. If words such as these are understood in all their spiritual depth, one will also wrestle through to the knowledge that Christ was not only present at the beginning of our era, He is forever present. He speaks to us if only we are willing to listen to Him. But this means that through spiritual science we must again learn to perceive a spiritual reality in everything that is of a material nature, a spiritual reality behind stones, a spiritual reality behind plants, a spiritual reality behind animals, a spiritual reality behind human beings, a spiritual reality behind the clouds, a spiritual reality behind the stars, a spiritual reality behind the sun. When through what is material, we again find the Spirit in all its reality. We also open our soul to the voice of Christ, who will speak to us if we are willing to hear Him. 
Anthroposophy is able to affirm the reality of the spirit behind the whole of nature. It can therefore also affirm that the spirit is at work throughout the earthly history of mankind, that the earth itself once more acquired meaning through the mystery of Golgotha. Before the mystery of Golgotha, the meaning of the earth was contained in the realm of the sun. But since the mystery of Golgotha, it is inherent in the earth itself. This is what anthroposophy wishes to bring to mankind as a perpetual Whitsun mystery. And when, prepared by anthroposophy, people are ready to seek again for the spiritual world, they will find Christ as an ever-present reality in the way that is needful and right for our age. If in this age people do not turn to spiritual knowledge, they will lose Christ. Until now Christianity did not depend upon knowledge. Christ died for all people. He did not deny them. But if in our day people reject knowledge of Christ, then they deny Him. As it has been possible for us to be together this year at the time of the Whitsun Festival, I wanted to speak to you of the Christ mystery in relation to Pentecost. People often speak of anthroposophy as if it were in variance with Christianity, but if you truly receive into yourselves the spirit of anthroposophy, you will find that it will indeed open people's ears, hearts and souls once more to the mystery of the Christ. My dear friends, anthroposophy would wish its destiny to be one with the destiny of Christianity. This requires people to turn today not merely to dead words which speak to them of Christ, but to knowledge which actually leads them to the light in which the living Christ dwells. Not the historical figure who centuries ago dwelt on earth, but the Christ who lives now and will live through all future time among human beings because He who was once their God has become their divine brother. And so among our thoughts at Whitsun, let this too be included, that through anthroposophy we will seek the way to the living Christ, realizing that the first Whitsun mystery can thereby be renewed in every anthroposophist, and that with knowledge of Christ Himself dawning in our hearts, we will feel inwardly warmed and enlightened through the fiery tongues of a Christian understanding of the world. May our way to the spiritual through anthroposophy be at one and the same time the way to Christ through the Spirit. If even in small numbers people earnestly dedicate themselves to this, the Whitsun mystery will take firmer and firmer root in many human beings of the present time, and more importantly still of the future. Then there will come what humanity so sorely needs for its redemption and salvation. Then the healing spirit will speak to a new faculty of understanding in human beings, the spirit by whom the sickness of human souls is healed, the spirit sent by Christ. And then will come what humanity needs, world Pentecost. The end of Lecture 19